You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. You guys got to put the bases on and clean the field. As Grower sends this one deep into left, going back at the track, it's over his head. As Graciel can't make the catch, Grower into second base with an RBI double, and the champions tie the ball game with a two-out double by Danny Grower. Wilson, the 0-2 to Graciel. Big cut, high fastball, and he struck him out. And that's the first out of the top of the ninth. Wilson, Wilson. The 1-2, big cut and he struck him out! Tyler Wilson, back-to-back strikeouts on a slider in the dirt. Tissenbaum swings at that one. Has struck out the last two batters. Now the 1-2. This one swung on, Cartwright makes the catch! And that will end the inning. What a performance from Tyler Wilson. He comes in and takes down the Capitals. And look at this, the Ottawa dugout is on their feet. Two and one the count to Donnell Duarte, runner at third. Infield in. Duarte up the middle, and that's the ball game. Walk off RBI single for the Cuban third baseman. The champions win the ball game. See you later. Kenny hits one high. He hits it deep at the track. The wall out of here. Kenny Bryant. Eighth home run of the season, and it couldn't have came at a better time as the champions take a nice 3-0 lead in the bottom of the first. Whole week off, the 2-2 pitch to Graciel, top of the ninth, popped up high in the infield. Cartwright coming on, makes the catch, and that's the ball game. A nail-biter right at the end. Austin Crisman, a complete game performance. Boy, he sends this one right down the line and into left field for a base hit. Boucher rounding third. He will score. Piles into third as Kenny Bryant scores Boucher for his 44th RBI of the season. And the champions now lead 2-0 in the bottom of the first. One and two the count. Fans on their feet. 2,609 fans here at Raymond Shabbat, Grand Thornton Park on their feet for Randy Hamrick. Champions lead four to three in the top of the ninth. This one popped up into center field. Helms under it, makes the catch, and that's the ball game. Champions win it and sweep the Capitals. Four to three, the final score. Welcome to the July 30th edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079 and also listening on my SoundCloud Diamond Dante Audio, that's where all my past episodes are. And if you're listening here, we thank you so much uh, for tuning in, of course, to the July 30th edition of Around the Diamond. And I have a great show lined up for you. As uh, Coming up in our next segment, I'll be joined with Sussex County Miners play-by-play voice and communications director Brett Luthner. He's going to come on and talk a little bit about the Can-Am League as the All-Star teams were announced just uh, the other day and it's been a real pleasure as the Ottawa champions are coming off a big sweep against the Quebec Capitals. We'll touch into that. Then after that, I'll be joined with um, Tawab Steve from Sportsnet.ca to talk about some of the trades that have went down this week. I'll kind of intro that in this segment. And also, um, you know, the trades that the Jays have made and what they're going to be doing going forward and, and who's in, who's out, and some players that the Jays might try to require. Of course, you can read his articles at Sportsnet.ca. All you have to do is type in on Google, Tawab Steve as uh, he brings you everything you need to know about the Jays. That's spelled T-A-O-O-F-S-T-I-E-B. So, uh, the All-Star team was announced for the Can-Am League. Of course, it's not just the Can-Am League that's participating in this All-Star game. It's the American Association All-Star game. And the American uh, and the Can-Am League gets to send you know a couple of players from uh, to the self all stars team in the American Association. Of course, the American Association has 12 teams in that league, so the Can Am League um, also gets to send uh, some players there, which is always nice because um, the owner of the Can Am League, also the owner of the Ottawa Champions, Miles Wolf, uh, does run the American Association as well. He's, he commissions uh, that league. So overall, a big uh, a big announcement as the Can Am League All Stars were announced along with uh, on the self all-star team along uh, with the American Association All-Stars and that that will be held in CHS Field in St. Paul so in uh, so the American Association a Canadian team that's also located in that league is um, is the Winnipeg Gold Eyes 
And so Jamie Keith, the manager of the Rockland Boulders, will serve as the self-All-Stars coach on August 2nd in that game. Uh, so a couple of players that made it from the Can-Am League. First baseman Art Charles from the New Jersey Jackals has 17 home runs this season, 60 RBIs, has a 339 batting average. One of the best players in the league for sure. Uh, Junior Rojo, the shortstop for the Boulders, leads the league in average at 360, has five home runs, a good amount of RBIs as well. Daniel Mateo, third baseman, played first base last night for the uh, Trois-Rivières Aglas. Uh, he's been excellent this year, batting 316. Marcus Neidefer, the catcher, is second in the league in home runs with 11. Uh, we look at the outfield on the bench. Jay Austin from the Sussex County Miners, batting 330, will also uh, be there this season. He has 12 doubles, first year with the Miners. From the Ottawa Champions, this is big. We'll also talk to Daniel Cordero. Later in the show, as Tyler Wilson uh, in our fourth segment, no, then in our fourth segment, will come on and, and he had a chance to talk with Daniel Cordero. As we were switching spots, I let Tyler Wilson take the mic and interview Daniel Cordero. Uh, he'll be representing, re- representing Ottawa at the All Star game along with Austin Crisman. Uh, been excellent this year. Cordero leads the league in wins, and Crisman leads the league in ERA at 271. Cordero has eight wins on the year, so definitely. Uh, something to talk about. He started 10 games and did do one relief appearance on a, a shortened game that had happened uh, back against the Sussex County Miners. John Fitzsimmons from the Quebec Capitals has not has only allowed one run all year in just over 22 games pitched, 12 saves, 38 Ks in 25 innings, and also represent also making the All Star team from the Can from the Can-Am League. New Jersey Jackals is Lee Sosa, their closer, 2.90 ERA. 34 strikeouts and 62 innings pitch has been excellent for the Jackals going from, you know, reliever. And I believe he's gone into the rotation a, a couple times. So something to, to, yeah, he has 10 starts and 14 games pitched uh, out of the bullpen as well. So, or four games pitched out of the bullpen. So overall, a big announcement there. But uh, of course, we're going to end this segment uh, pretty quick. As coming up next, I'll be joined with Brett Luthner of the. Sussex County Miners, he's their play-by-play voice. You can listen to him on Stretch Internet Radio at uh, sussexcountyminers.com or you can listen to him on canamleague.tv when the Miners host the Ottawa Champions or when they play uh, other teams as well. Then Talb Steve will join us. Also, I'll be join- also Tyler Wilson is going to come on and talk with, um, with Daniel Cordero. And then in our final segment, I'll be joined with TJ Warren. I had a chance to talk with him at the ballpark about being signed by the Ottawa Champions. And uh, he came out of the Pecos League. He's the champion's new backup catcher, so we'll see what he has to say going forward. As he came out of a league in the Pecos League that only gets paid $50 a week, he has to clean the field. They're playing in a little league diamond. It's still professional baseball, independent professional baseball, and he ended up getting picked up as their season has just ended um, at this time. So Danny Grauer was the guy who got picked out of the Pecos League last year, and he was a draft pick of the Cincinnati Reds. So there's some good players that do play in that league, and there's a documentary on it on the Internet. Haven't been able to find it, but... uh, the the our grounds crew keeper, the head grounds crew keeper at the Ottawa Champions, Guy uh, Viancourt, had uh, told me about the documentary and uh, said I should check it out. So I'm I'm still trying to find it. I uh, might try to find a link online or something like that. Maybe ask some of the guys from the Pecos League, TJ Warren and, and such. But uh, before we go, I had a chance. Uh, Kenny Bryant about two weeks ago interviewed me, and. Uh, I think I'm going to play that for you. That's coming up right now. Then we'll get to Brett Loosner. Following that, Taub Steve will join us. Tyler Wilson interviews Daniel Cordero. And then finally, I'll be talking with TJ Warren in our fifth segment. But right now, Kenny Bryant did a special on myself, Diamond Dante. Have a listen. All right, Kenny Bryant here with Diamond Dante DeCaria. So uh, it's your first season in baseball, man. How are you feeling about it so far? Feeling good, uh, you know. Get to watch uh, the Ottawa Champions of the Can-Am League uh, play every single day, and it's uh, been a real blast. Hang out with the boys on the field, covering the team, uh, covering my favorite sport, learning more about baseball, and and, and also uh, you know doing my baseball show every Saturdays and Sundays at five on CKDJ 107.9. It's been real awesome. Get to talk to the Spanish guys. We got a new Dominican guy on the team. We got a Puerto Ricans. We got my Venezuelan friends. It's been good. All right, nice. So I know you're a big baseball fan. You're big on numbers. You got your favorite MLB players. Uh, Coming to the Can-Am League, is there anything that you've learned here that you didn't know before? Anything that I've learned here that I didn't know before? Honestly, I didn't know how the league worked. I'll tell you that right now. And my teacher, 
my, my also my head coach when I played baseball in high school, he played in this league and he also played AAA with the Rockies and the Toronto Blue Jays. And he said that baseball is not the way it looks in the minor leagues. You don't get paid a lot of money. It's, you know, you're on the team bus all the time. The minor leagues is a long road to the major leagues, and it takes a long time. And since I've gotten here, I've really learned the lifestyle, the way that people are, and the way baseball players act. Some are cool, and some are just, you know, different people, and you have to respect that as, as well. And being a baseball fan and loving baseball as a kid, I never thought that it would be like this, but that's just the way professional sports is. All right, so coming to this level of baseball, you know, minor league, independent baseball, um, and I know you're a big fan of like the MLB, you know, like a lot of players and stuff like that. Uh, do you think it's giving you a new respect for the game? Oh, it gives me an absolute new respect for the game. I respect every single individual that plays for the Ottawa Champions, the Can-Am League, and every independent league. And of course, you look at the Atlantic League. These are former major leaguers. You look at this league. We had Wilmer Font, who came here to 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 get back to where he wanted to be, and you know, to start a new thing with his family and everything like that. And I respect that. I respect. Every other person that comes out here to play baseball every single day because it's not easy and a lot of people don't understand that. I try to tell my friends all the time, Kenny, that professional sports is is not the easiest thing. And, you know, going back to when I was in high school, my teacher, I, I started to understand because he took me aside and said, this is the way it is. People in my school didn't understand that, you know, oh, you know, you should be, why are you teaching? Because it's not that big of a career, especially when you're in the minor leagues, so I have a huge respect to every single person that comes through the independent leagues and the minor leagues as well. Nice, so uh, I know it's your first year in baseball, uh, you've some positive reviews, uh, maybe some not so positive reviews, uh, what's the biggest feedback, or the best feedback you've gotten so far? Well, the best feedback is from the parents of the players, Daniel Bick's parents were very nice in giving feedback, I've got some feedback on Twitter, and I've also got some bad feedback, or, or some constructive feedback that's really uh, helped me grow in to be better. This is my first year covering baseball and it's my favorite sport, so this is something I want to do. I do hockey in the offseason, but now that I'm here doing baseball, I really experience the game a little bit more and I enjoy it more than hockey. You know, hockey's the cold arenas. It's not, I like it, you know, here it's sunny, everybody's kind of chilling. Hockey's more like, I feel like everybody's more cocky and stuff like that, and I don't really like the players as much. But the feedback, I got feedback from the league on things that I shouldn't and should say when I'm on the air, and that helped me learn and helped me understand more broadcasting. How you you can't just say that he did this and he did that because you don't know the way it is on the field, and that's another thing that I've understood as well. All right, awesome. Last question. So we're halfway through the season. Yeah. Uh, Ottawa Champions been doing all right. I mean, staying in the in the playoff race. Uh, what are you most looking forward to for the rest of the season? I'm looking forward to the playoffs. And you look back at last night. I really love the group here. Um, you saw Matt Helms' three-run home run. Uh, I believe it was in the 11th inning uh, off Downey. He threw 95 miles an hour. A three-run home run to tie the game. Those are the kind of things I love. And it was kind of tough for me because I wish I was in the broadcast booth to watch it. I mean, to see it. But I was behind home plate. And you know, I just, you know, playoff baseball. I'm looking forward to see the Ottawa champions in the playoffs and see what this group can do. But not only... And also going into the offseason, see which guys get picked up, see which guys go where, and see what guys uh, end up doing after their careers in the Can-Am League because it would be really interesting to know. And not only, and also to keep the connections with the players here because down the road you never know what could happen. You never know when you're going to need some. My uncle always tells me it's better to be friends with people than to people to hate you. That's Diamond, <laughs> Diamond Dante, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hi, this is Billy Horn from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9, home to every single Ottawa Champions game and sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Back Corporation since 1997. My guest for this segment is Sussex County Miners comms and broadcaster Brett Lufner. Brett, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me on, Dante. And uh, anytime, Brett, of course, uh, the voice of the Sussex County Miners, you can hear him on uh, canamleague.tv and also on Stretch Radio on the Miners' website. You can find those links 
in there. And uh, Brett, to start off, uh, to, to start things off, I want to go over to, of course, the team that you cover in the Sussex County Miners. Uh, there's been a lot of talk on uh, chat and on Facebook and on the internet about uh, the Miners, uh, you know, up and down season. They they were in a playoff spot at the beginning of the year and have dropped off a little bit since. And it seems like pitching has been their biggest struggle because if you look up and down the lineup, they have a lot of talented guys with the likes of Jay Austin, Ryan Dent, uh, and and going through uh, their whole lineup. What has been the the biggest problem for Sussex this year as they sit uh, fifth in the uh, in the Can Am League? Well, you hit the nail on the head with the pitching, and really what happens there is when they get their pitches up in the zone, and it's pitching one hundred and one. When the pitches are up in the zone, they're getting hammered, and then it doesn't help. The miners lead the league in errors now. They, they're as of this day, they're 100. They got 102 errors, and who knows what else is going to come up. Uh, but uh, they committed seven against Quebec Thursday night. So it's it's been that. It's just been pitches up, and you know sometimes out of the strike zone and walking batters and committing errors, giving free outs to these teams. And then when they put one in, it's not you, know, you don't keep it low. You don't change those locations. Pitchers and uh, hitters in the can end, we're going to jump on it, and that's what's been happening. And not only have the Sussex County Miners have, you know, an up-and-down season, but one uh, big thing that was just named this week was the uh, as it was announcing that Jay Austin will be representing uh, the Sussex County Miners at the Can-Am League All-Stars team, uh, self-All-Stars team at the American Association All-Star Game uh, this com- upcoming week, I believe on August 3rd. So uh, overall, a bright spot for the Miners in Jay Austin. Can you What can you tell us about Austin's season and how he's found so much success coming over from the Frontier League? I, when you see him work, he's a true professional. I, he puts in his work. He gives it a, a great effort every day. He's got an excellent approach when he gets to the plate. He's a very good fielder as well, but he really puts in that effort day in and day out. You know, there has been some days where he's just been banged up, and, mo- and a lot of guys would be like, you know, ah, you know, I'm sore, maybe I shouldn't go there. Jay doesn't care. He just goes out there. He loves to play the game. Uh, you see that in the way he approaches his at-bat. Just a, a consummate professional at this level is Jay Austin. And it's, it's really fun to watch him hit because it's now, I think, uh, he's only not had a base hit in 12 minors games this year, which is staggering. And you're right about that. That's uh, Sussex County Miners. Brett Luthner joining us here on Around the Diamond. And, of course, the, All-Star, uh, the All-Stars from the Can-Am League were announced. Art Charles... Uh, shortstop Junior Rojo, a big name, Danny Mateo from the Aglas, catcher Marcus Nidefer among those guys as position players, and of course on the reserves list, as we talked about before, Jay Austin. Going through the pitchers, Marcus, uh, I mean, Austin Crisman, uh, Daniel Cordero, John Fitzsimmons from the Capitals, and at the end of that, Lee Sosa from the New Jersey Jackals. Overall, a good list of players um, coming into this All-Star game. Brett, would you expect uh, quite a few scouts maybe looking at some of these guys, especially Jay Austin? I, yeah, I think so, because scouts always want to find that, that next talent that maybe can come into their team and to develop further and say, hey, wait a second, you know what, this guy can actually do some, some work for us. Maybe he can get to the major league level. So, absolutely, I would expect scouts to be in St. Paul uh, to take on the, the All-Star game. Uh, it's a good group. Uh, John Fitzsimmons, even though it was a non-safe situation, has been dominant this year. He had, he had a little hiccup on Thursday against the uh, – the miners, uh, Brendan Webb took him. But, I mean, outside of that, what we've seen out of Simmons has been dominant. What we've seen out of Crisman has been great this year. Lee Sosa has done a really good job as well. The, the hitting side of things, we know what Art Charles is capable of. Uh, Marcus Nidefer has been a thorn on the miners' side. A lot, just a lot of these guys, really good players. And I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of them we got the call from an affiliated club. And you're right about that, Brad. Of course, one of those guys is uh, is Art Charles this season. He started off the year at hitting over 400 with uh, 12 home runs at one point, winning Player of the Week, Player of the Month almost every time. Now has 17 home runs. His average has dipped down a little bit under uh, under three or 339 at at this point. He still leads the league in RBIs. And and I talked to you know of course Mike Nellis and Corey Mess and a couple other broadcasters around the league and they're very surprised that Art Charles hasn't been picked up yet by a minor league affiliated team. I think scouts wanted to take a look and say all right he's gotten off to this ridiculous start 
Let's take a closer look at him. Let's see everything that's going on, and then let's see how he progresses in the season. Because it's one of those, you don't want to just jump on a guy just because he's hitting 440 in independent ball. You want to really do your homework, do your due diligence, and make sure you're making that right decision. And Charles lately has gone into a little bit of a slump. Now, we, I mean, he's still in that slump hitting somewhere, I think, in the neighborhood of 240 or something like that in the prolonged stretch. But, I mean, he's such a, for this league, such a good talent, having a great year. Um, if he turns it around, you may see him get the call. Or he may have gotten the call already, and the, the Jackals may have said, well, you know, you know, what, let's try to come to an agreement, and no agreement was made. Who knows? I mean, it's but the bottom line is he's a good talent, for sure. Sussex County Miners, Brett Loosner joined us here on Around the Diamond. And uh, just the, to finally, to finish off a little bit of the Can-Am League talk, uh, I'm going over to Chris Jacobs of uh, the Sussex County Miners. You get to see him every single day at the start of the month when the when the Ottawa faced off against Sussex in that Canada Day series in the doubleheader. I believe Jacobs had about three home runs. Now towards the end of the month has ten, so he's been having an excellent month. I mean, how has he kind of turned things around in the, in the month of the July, of July? He tried not to do too much to play. Uh, what it really came down to is he instead of trying to hit the daylights out of the ball. He's like, okay, fine, let's take a different approach. He's been willing to take more singles and then start to get the swing to where he can drive the ball instead of gaps and then pick up more doubles. And then as you develop that, it's like, okay, now, you know, oh, here's a good pitch to hit. You, know, you leave a cookie on the outer half with him, and he's going to crush it. So uh, he's, uh, he's taken a different approach, but it's been a really good one, and he, he's been feeling good at plate now, feeling a little more comfortable. And, 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 of course, before we move over to uh, to finish off this segment with a little Major League Baseball talk, Brett, I want to ask you about a couple of guys that were picked up this year. Wilmer Font was picked up. We saw Marcus Solbeck, Alex Gouen, and John Walter picked up by the New Jersey Jackals. All pitchers. And my question is, are scouts really coming here to look at just pitchers, or are they looking at some of the positional players as well? Because we've only seen pitchers being picked up this season. They're coming to look at all. I've actually talked to a couple of scouts that have stopped by Skyline Stadium during the course of the season, and they come to look at all players. Uh, it just happens to be that pitchers who are able to locate and command their fastballs and secondary pitches, you know, if you can get, a, if you can throw, you know, with good velocity. I'm not. They don't need 95, but if you can throw with good velocity and command that fastball and command your breaking pitches. Scouts are then going to pick up on it. It's like, all right, fine. He just had to tweak a couple things here at Indie Ball. He's figured it out. Now let's see if we can get him to our coaches to continue. I, I think that's why the pitchers have been picked up a little bit more than the hitters because we're seeing hitters go through fluctuations this season. And, of course, we're going to move over from the Can-Am League to a little Major League Baseball talk. Of course, the trade deadline is just approaching. A couple moves being made today, and I'm going to start off with the Miami Marlins. Uh, as, of course, in our next segment, I'm going to talk to Sportsnet's Tao Steve about some of the moves that have been made. But I want to hear your opinion on, on this and, and what you think of this trade that had happened uh, earlier uh, today. Andrew Kashner and Colin Rhea from the Padres uh, over for my, to the Miami Marlins for Josh Naylor and, J- and big leaguer Jared Cozart. Overall, they get a top prospect, a, a number one first base prospect, a guy out of Toronto, Ontario, over to the, the Padres, where in the Padres system, haven't really had a real first baseman since Adrian Gonzalez left in free agency. But I feel they might have paid a, a little bit too much for Kashner, who's having a, a down season. What are your thoughts on that? Well, A, with Kashner, maybe a change of scenery may help. You know, sometimes it does happen. You, know, you get a guy that just goes through a slump, not having as good of a year as you would expect. So switch locations, uh, you know, see if that can, can spark a, a, an interest in him, spark a revival, so to speak. Uh, with Miami, I, I understand the Mets are having an off year from last year, and, and, you know, wild cards are definitely within reach or whatever. If you're in the Marlins and you think you have a legitimate, real chance at getting a wild card, and when you get to the wild card, you know, all bets are off because who knows what happens once you get to the playoffs, then, yeah, sure, go for it. Because I, I'm not one to think that, you know, if you're making a trade just to make a trade, you shouldn't be trading your, one of your top prospects away, uh, especially at first base. But if the Marlins legitimately believe that they have a chance with a piece or two here or there that they can get into the playoffs and make some noise, yeah, then by all means, go ahead and do it. You, 
do have to sacrifice a little and get something. But, uh, you know, the Marlins, if they believe they can go for it, I'm not so sure if they're going to make a wild card in the end, but uh, that, that's for another day. And, Brett, of course, the Miami Marlins went out and added Fernando Rodney before the trade deadline from the San Diego Padres. Um, and the Miami Marlins are 55 and 47, second in the wild cards, actually tied for second with the St. Louis Cardinals. And they also just got back D. Gordon. So maybe uh, Don Mattingly and, and the general manager in Miami kind of thought, all right, this is kind of our year with the young group that we have and Giancarlo Stanton in the season that Etro's had to kind of go for it. Well, Giancarlo Stanton is a beast in his own. I mean, he, some of those shots he hit the home run go was just majestic. It was fun to watch. But back to the real, the, the real stuff. I mean, maybe you also want to take a look at giving this young core the opportunity to learn what it's like to be in a playoff scenario. That could be a case too. Um, again, I, do I think the Marlins are going to make the playoffs, even though they have the second spot now? I'm not so sure because of that young core. Uh, you know, but hey, listen, crazier things have happened, and the Kansas City Royals ended up being a world champion last year, so uh, nobody saw that coming. So we, we all prognosticate, and in the end, half the time we get it wrong. And finally, before we go, Brett, uh, the San Francisco Giants have been struggling as of late, and, and I, I was going to end up talking about that in our next segment as well. But the Giants have struggled a lot uh, out of the since the All Star game, are 1 in 10 or actually so 1-9 in nine in their last 10 games, have been struggling at the plate. Their pitching has been still there with Cueto and Bumgarner. And they go out and add a guy in Eduardo Nunez, who is a all-star uh, from the Minnesota Twins, has been hitting the ball real well. He leads uh, the American League in stolen bases, now coming over to the National League. And one thing that Bruce Bochy, the manager of the Giants, had said is that he gives a lot of versatility to this team, but he won't be starting at third base because they do have Matt Duffy. So overall, a, a good move that maybe gives the Giants that extra edge over the Dodgers? It's a move that I think also sparks that clubhouse. Because sometimes things that get stagnant. The Giants had a nice lead going. They come out of the All-Star break and put it into the tank practically. And I'm not saying intentionally, but... A lot of guys just started just coasting after the All-Star break. And front office and Bruce Bochy saying, hey, boys, you know, we've still got a season to play, so if you're not going to get the job done, we need to make moves to get the job done. And this is a move to wake everybody up in there. This is a guy, you know what, boys? We know we have a World Series contender here, a World Champion contender. Let's get moving. We'll bring in these pieces to help this team now, and, and let's get on it, boys. And you're right about that. The San Francisco Giants are sitting at 59-43, and 43, almost the best record in the National League behind the Sh- Chicago Cubs coming out of the All-Star game. They did have the best record in the National League. Uh, short, I guess quickly, uh, Johnny Cueto, really good start with the San Francisco Giants. It's an odd year. Do you think that they do win the World Series? It's an odd year. They win the World Series. <laughs> no, um, it, it, you know what? Chicago intrigues me on the National League side. San Francisco came out like a house of fire, of course, before this little streak here. Um, my beloved Baltimore Orioles on the American League side are still playing good baseball. Boston's been playing nice. Uh, to me, though, it's an odd year, and I can't discount the San Francisco Giants. And I think once they get past this little losing streak, it, they could definitely be ones right there to be world champions. It would not surprise me in the least bit. And of course, uh, when they get back some of the some of the pieces that have been injured uh, this season, then then maybe they will go for it. But that's going to wrap up uh, this segment with uh, Sussex County Miners Brett Lufner, the play-by-play voice of the Miners. Uh, we thank you so much, Brett, for coming on the show, and uh, we look forward to to seeing you not only in August but uh, and hearing your calls on the radio. Thank you very much, Dante. And one thing before we go, did you know that Joey Batista's bat flip is going to be immortalized in NHL 17? I did not know that. I just saw a video of it today. <laughs> so they're going to put it in the game? They're going to put it in the game. I, I, I retweeted it on my Twitter account. Well, you can follow uh, at Brett. Well, your, why don't you tell us your Twitter account? At, at Brett Luthner. Real simple. Uh, one T in my first name. But yeah, at Brett Luthner is my Twitter account. And uh, yeah, I, I retweeted it earlier today. And it's, it's fascinating. Well, I think I'm going to look into that. And, of course, you can uh, check out Brett's Twitter. It talks about the minors and everything going around with baseball. And, uh, actually, you know, shortly before you go, you actually had a chance to to go to Cooperstown. How, what was that like after Ken Griffey Jr. said the speech and everything? Uh, you know what? It, 
Cooperstown, if you're a baseball fan, you have to go there. Uh, it's just—it's uh, the first Hall of Fame of any of the four major sports I've ever been to. But I mean, it's just so wonderful to see all that history there. And then, you know, obviously, I saw the uh, the Griffey and Piazza. Uh, displays there as well, and and there was still a buzz about the town and everything when we were there. It's just a, it's a wonderful stop. If you have if you have a weekend, you might you might be able to do it, or at least an overnight where you can spend all day at the hall. It's a wonderful place. And it seems like a place that I might want to check out. Quite a drive from Ottawa, not too long, but I think I might be uh, going there maybe sometime this summer to go check it out. Once again, Brett, we thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Tom. That was Sussex County Miners' Brett Luthner joining us here on Around the Diamond. Don't turn that dial and don't turn off that button. Coming up next, Taub Steve from Sportsnet.ca will come on to talk a little bit about the Jays' trades and a couple moves that we might see. He has a little bit of sources here and there. That's all here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hey, this is Jason Coker from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music and home to every single Ottawa Champions game, and also sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Back Corporation, since 1997. Before we were talking with Sussex County Miners play-by-play voice Brett Lufner, now joining me over the phone is Sportsnet's Tal of Steve. Tal, welcome back to the show. And boy, it seems like you've had uh, quite a busy week. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's getting into that point of the season where uh, things start to get interesting and and teams start to jockey for position for uh, for some talent to lead them down the stretch. And of course, uh, you know, working with Sportsnet and covering the Jays, uh, a busy week for you, not only on Twitter, uh, but uh, obviously maybe working on some articles uh, to come. But I had, you know, your last article that you wrote about two weeks ago on July 15th, you you talked about um, the Blue Jays looking for answers ahead of the trade deadline and some possible moves that could come uh, upcoming. But I don't think that we would have thought that the Jays would have picked up uh, Upton Jr. from the Padres. I mean, how did that really go down? And what, what are your thoughts on the trade in general is it maybe getting a guy that can replace Jose Bautista or Michael Saunders when maybe they don't re-sign in the offseason, or is it a guy that's going to help the team right now against left-handed pitching? You know, I think it's especially a guy who's going to help right now. It does give them a little bit of leeway now because essentially they were going into next year with only Dalton Pompey and Kevin Pillar as outfielders. Uh, ready to go forward and so you know it just it does give them a little bit of leeway uh if they're not able to bring um either michael saunders or jose bautista back um and frankly gives them a little bit of leverage against those two players who you know otherwise could say like look you've got a massive hole uh that you need to fill and you need me more than than i need you so um but i think really uh, you know what they've managed to get is uh, a, a very um, a very competent outfielder. I know on Twitter yesterday um, or, or a few days ago, I was I put out uh, sort of a list of you know here are the the outfielders the Blue Jays have have developed over the last twenty three twenty four years, um, and essentially uh, Melvin Upton Jr. sits right at the top of that list in, in terms of WAR accrued over that time. So. Oh. You know he, he he's a he's a he's a uh, a very good player who's never reached the expectations that people had of him, but he I think uh, has the ability to really provide the Blue Jays with uh, I think something you know a really important bench bat and and frankly given the fact that San Diego is picking up most of his salary that's all they need for him to be but I think he can actually be even more than that. And they didn't give up too much to get him. They gave him their number 18 prospect, a pitching prospect in high A, uh, Dunedin level. So they didn't give up too much to get a experienced outfielder who's having a better season than he did with the Braves uh, than with the Padres. So not only that, does this help the Jays in the long term, but it helps them right now as well if they want to maybe put Bautista uh, as a DH at times. And he, and I heard that you know Upton has had better defensive run saves uh, than Michael Saunders. Is that how things going to play out? 
Well, it'll be interesting to see. I, you know, one of the things about John Gibbons is that I do think that he has a level of uh, loyalty and, and, and a degree of consistency that he likes to maintain. So he may be inclined to continue to keep Saunders in left field um, and, uh, and Bautista in right because that's where those, those guys have played, want to play. Um, but I think it certainly uh, gives the Blue Jays an option in terms of uh, when you need to get guys off their feet and onto the bench uh, to be able to use Upton you know, as a left fielder, as a right fielder, and frankly as a center fielder because uh, Kevin Pillar has really done yeoman's work over the last uh, season and, and uh, season and two-thirds uh, playing center field almost every day for the Blue Jays. And if he went down for any amount of time, uh, the Blue Jays would have been somewhat stuck. Um, I think that now that they have uh, Upton there, who can play, uh, I think, a, a very decent center field, a very good left field, um, it gives them, uh, I think, a little bit more breathing room uh, on the off chances uh, injuries occur. And that's Sportsnet's Tao of Steve joining us here on Around the Diamond. Of course, you can follow him at Twitter, at Tao of Steve, and read his articles at sportsnet.ca. And uh, another, I guess you could say, Small but kind of big trade uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays in the last couple of days. They went out and got some relief help, brought in Joachim Benoit after de- as, after they designated Drew Storen for assignment. Now, personally, I, just, I will hear your thoughts on this in just a second. But personally, I'm not a big t- fan of the trade. Both of them have been struggling this season, and a change of scenery might work. But if you look at the age of Benoit, 39 years old, Storen is 27. The Jays are, are almost uh, wasting the trade that they made in the offseason, sending Ben Revere to the Nationals. Yeah, I, I think so. What had come clear to the Blue Jays is that um, uh, is that Drew Storen wasn't going to be a guy who they would have offered a qualifying offer to. Um, he, you know, I, I just there wasn't really a future uh, for for Storen um, with the Blue Jays, uh, regardless of what happened with this Benoit trade, and and frankly. Uh, if you look at some of the peripherals, I, I think that there's a decent uh, chance that uh, that Benoit, at least down the stretch, can can be what the Blue Jays needed out of Storen that he wasn't giving them. Um, you know, Benoit is still, <coughs> excuse me, is still hitting uh, 94 um, regularly with the uh, with the fastball. Uh, Storen's velocity was down. Uh, you know, uh, a veteran which. Um, you know, for whatever that's worth, I think having someone who's been in uh, some some pennant chases over the years, uh, I, I, for me, I think it, it, given the fact that they were likely to let go of Storin in any case to at least get a look at Benoit um, was probably worth it. And frankly, he's probably got a very short leash and if he comes out and and stinks for a couple of outings and he'll probably uh he'll probably be on his way out as well and the jays have also been linked to a, a couple other relievers boone logan being one of them do you see the jays going out and trying to get some more relief help uh in the, in the next couple of days going into the trade deadline yeah i mean i i think that they would probably like to add <clears throat> something something additional um if it doesn't come in the next couple of days, then they might start trolling uh, for for something, you know, in that August period, uh, seeing who gets through waivers. But um, I, I would imagine that there's probably at least one more deal for a reliever, and whether or not if that's a, you know, back of the bullpen guy or, or a guy who can just kind of come in and, and do your sixth or seventh inning, um, I think that they would like to have some additional uh, insurance there. Um, they are running out of roster spots at this point, so I think um, if it were a Boone Logan, maybe that uh, that wraps it up for them. Um, and it's still worth noting that they'll have uh, Drew Hutchison, um, who's in AAA, who's been pitching well, who's been amongst the best pitchers in, at the AAA level this year. Uh, I, he'll at the very least come up in September and provide them depth out of the bullpen. Um, and it's, I think it's possible that he, uh, that he sees the, the Blue Jays roster in August. And I saw a tweet on Twitter from Jim Bowen 
uh, talking about how John Gibbons has said that they're in on every single trade, and one guy that's been linked to the Toronto Blue Jays uh, to maybe bluster their starting rotation has been Rich Hill with the uh, Oakland Athletics. He's 36 years old. He's having an outstanding season, his best of his career with that excellent 12-6 curveball. But I, I look down the, the Blue Jays' ro- rotation. I see Marcus Stroman. I see Ari Dickey. Estrada's been excellent. Jay Happ and Sanchez, those are guys that are going to stay there. If they were to go out and acquire another pitcher like Rich Hill, who would be the odd one out? Uh, you know, I I think that you're looking between um, that you're looking between Stroman and Dickey at this point uh, right. as to who would end up falling out of the, out of the rotation. Uh, maybe you would give some extra rest to Estrada. I still think that while their best case scenario is to keep Sanchez in the rotation for the full year and, and the indications are that they're going to, um, if he does come up at a certain point and say like, that's it guys, I I'm, I'm gassed or I'm hurt or what have you, they do need a, a, a degree of insurance on that. So, um, you know, I could see a scenario where you put Dickey into the bullpen as a as essentially a long man um, uh, or sort of a, a sixth uh, or spot starter, uh, a mop-up guy. I could see a scenario where you move Stroman into the bullpen to come out and just give you one, uh, one or two good innings, um, which he's very capable of doing. Uh, I don't think that you would envision Stroman as a reliever long-term, but just given some of his struggles this year, and if there were better options, then maybe that's uh, a way that they go. And Sportsnet's Tal of Steve joining us here on Around the Diamond. And, of course, Tal, I, I mean, now that you bring up the starting rotation and everything going forward, Aaron Sanchez, I mean, he gives this team the best uh, chance to win. He's been excellent. He's an all-star, uh, one of the better pitchers. So has Jay Happ and so has Marco Estrada. Uh, this year, but I mean, would the Jays maybe want to pay a high price for a guy like Rich Hill? And of course, they lost the stakes on Andrew Kashner, but I, I don't really think it would have been worth getting a guy like Kashner, who just, of course, was traded to the Marlins, who had the same ERA as as Marcus Stroman this year. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I had questions about um, uh, about um, uh, sorry, Kashner. Um, uh, I, I don't. I don't think personally that he would have been uh, the right, uh, the right addition for the Blue Jays. I mean, if if they had him and had a few years to sort of uh, work with him or whatnot, then that's one thing. But uh, you know, um, he's a guy who's not who hasn't quite put it together this year. Um, had good spots and bad spots last year, um, so. You know, I, I I think frankly uh, there was another pit, pitcher on San Diego who the Blue Jays were rumored to be in on um, for a for a brief time, and that's Tyson Ross, and he's mm-hmm. a guy who I think is a little more of a compelling and, and interesting case. Uh, and you know, mind you, coming back from injury, and and there's a lot of question marks there. But um, yeah, I, I, I you know, Kashner is a big guy who throws hard and they're always going to be compelling um but i i don't think he was the right fit for the blue jays at this time and of course with a with an aspiring contract a guy who does throw hard and a guy who's had a good track record in the past of course hasn't had a good season with pitching in a pitcher's ballpark uh in petco park in san diego uh but of course we we look at the trade that just happened uh, a high price for the Miami Marlins to pay. They're going for it. They're right now tied for second in a wild card spot with the St. Louis Cardinals. And they went out, made a deal. They acquired Kashner for their top first base prospect and also the top uh, Canadian player to ever be drafted uh, positionally at first base, 12th overall last season. So overall, a, a, a high price to pay. And maybe the Jays didn't have the prospects or have what exactly the Padres wanted, but of course, a, a very high pace. Uh, Price to pay. What What are your thoughts on the trade? Well, it's a lot of bodies moving back and forward. Um, you know, Jared Cozart, uh, who's the right-hander, who uh, who's going to um, who's who's going back to San Diego is a is a guy who uh, is interesting. I mean, sort of a mid-rotation starter, but I think people uh, look at him and and occasionally feel like there's something else there. Um, 
you know, a, a bit more of a finesse pitcher and a guy who's really struggled this year. But um, uh, and Naylor, yeah, I mean, you know, a guy, um, you know, just just drafted um, is in the uh, Sally League at this point. Um, you know, doing okay, and and uh, you know, this time of year. Uh, you, you can never you can never guess what the packages are going to be, and occasionally you get someone, and you're shocked by how little they got back. And frankly, the the, the Upton trade is that you know the, it's kind of stunning that the Blue Jays are are uh, basically only paying him five million dollars out of the <laughs> twenty some twenty four twenty two left on his contract, and that the uh, the the Padres were paying for the rest of that. So. Um, but starting pitching is at a premium. There's not a lot of starters out there, and sometimes you will, I think, go for a guy who maybe has a mid four ERA and hope that you get the the five to eight starts where he pitches really well to say a two and a half or three ERA over a short stretch. And you're right about that, Tao. And of course, uh, a you know a big trade that had happened this week. Aroldis Chapman went over to the. Um, went over to the Cubs for the Cubs, you know, one of their top prospects. Of course, they have nothing to worry about with trading away prospects because they already have good positional players at the major league level and also at the AAA level. I mean, do you feel that the Chapman trade not only boosts the Cubs to have the best record in baseball going forward, but also to send them to the World Series? Well, it's a a really good piece for the Cubs. Um, I guess having uh, a lot of really high-end shutdown depth in your bullpen, uh, especially in the playoffs, is a good thing. And, and I think, you know, the the Cubs are really pushing all in, um, not just for this year, but certainly, you know, with Chapman, that, that's a this year and this fall only um, uh, deal. And, and so, you know, they're, they're certainly making that push. And frankly, the, the, the Cubs have been scuffling and losing some ground. And, and frankly, the rest of the central had caught up with them in, in recent months. So they, I think wanted to hit the gas and make sure they're ready for, uh, ready for, you know, the stretch. And then when uh, the playoffs come. And of course, Tal, before we go, I, I obviously have to ask you, um, you cover the Jays and you pay a huge attention to them quite a bit. And of course, to the American league East as well. Uh, there's some teams catching up with the, the Jays are first in the wild card spot. The Orioles are uh, one and a half games in front of the Toronto Blue Jays. Boston is, uh, I believe, another t- almost two games behind. The, yeah, two games behind the Toronto Blue Jays, second in the wild card spot. I mean, do the Blue Jays stand their ground and get a wild card, or do they maybe win the division, or does Houston kind of come up behind them or Boston and take them down? I think that there's a bunch of teams right now who are who are right in that mix, and, and you've certainly named them all. I think uh, Houston has been basically the best team in baseball over the last six, seven weeks, and the Blue Jays have been the second-best team in baseball over the past six, seven, seven weeks. Uh, the Blue Jays made up some, uh, made up uh, a bunch of games on, on uh, the Yankees, and or sorry, on the, um, the Red Sox and Orioles, and uh, ahead of the Red Sox at this point. Um, I think that now that the Blue Jays are back into the the games where they're playing against the American League East in the next few weeks, uh, this is going to be the real test for them, and it's going to be their opportunity to get some full games and and uh, to you know if they can can win these games head to head against the Orioles and the Red Sox, that's going to make just a huge difference. I think the the Blue Jays are definitely going for the division. And uh, to my mind, I think that they actually have the best, uh, the best roster as it stands right now to, uh, to make that run. And you're definitely right about that. We hope to see uh, Canada's team, the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, make the playoffs at least as a wildcard spot or win the division in the American League East. Tao, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we look forward to maybe see the Blue Jays win a couple more ball games and, uh, and make it through and maybe make a trade uh, for this upcoming trade deadline. Was a, thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks. That was Sportsnet's Tao of Steve joining us here on Around the Diamond. We thank him so much for coming on. But coming up next, I got a funny bit to share with you as Tyler Wilson interviewed Ottawa Champions All-Star pitcher Daniel Cordero. You don't want to miss that. Coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9.
Hey, this is Tyler Wilson from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. We have Tyler Wilson here with the Ottawa Champions doing a personal interview with the MVC, the most valuable, Daniel Cordero. So, Daniel, how does it feel to be in Ottawa? Uh, I want to say hi. I want to say thank you for the opportunity. And I want to say sorry for my English because I don't have the perfect English, but I want to try. Um, I feel great. This I love this city. I love the people right here. So I'm so happy right here in the city. So, so far, what is your favorite part of Ottawa? The beach. You like <laughs> the beach? Yeah, the beach. Oh, so uh, what did you do at the beach? Play volleyball all the time. Uh, I hear the... Maybe have been the uh, the champion of the league uh, for volleyball. So how did that feel? Oh my god! I mean, all right. I got to explain to you. I got all my friends. They play volleyball, so they was playing volleyball, and I was there just watching the game. And they was losing the first two games, and I said, "Hey, can I play? Because I in Venezuela it was really good." And they say, "Really? You can't do that?" And I say, "Yeah, why not?" And they say, "All right." And I just start to play volleyball, and we won eight games straight. So we won the championship, and they say, "Hey, don't don't keep playing baseball. Just come here to play volleyball with us." And I'm thinking about it. Nah, it's just a joke. So, so not only are you the MVC, the most valuable Ottawa champions, you're also the MVC on the volleyball team Euro. I don't know that, bro. I don't know. I don't gonna say nothing about that. No. Were you were you the reason you won the championship? I think yeah, because I know I'm pretty good in volleyball, but I know that league was a rookie league, so I don't know. I don't know, bro. So what does uh, Hill have to do to compete with the MVC title? Who? Hill. Hill? He don't. He don't know to do nothing. He just know to play baseball. That's all that he knows. <laughs> That's all he knows. Yeah. That's all he knows. So, oh, speaking of Hill, Hill is uh, here now. Mm-hmm. But I asked, what does he have to do to be the MVC of the team, of the Ottawa Champions? He can't do that. He can't. He cannot do that. No, he can't. Because you're the MVC. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I got the spot already. So, did you start to change once Wilmer left? Is that no, is that when you felt free? No, is that when no. you felt free to change? No, I'm the same person right now. Come on, don't say that, bro. Say person. I'm the same person. Okay. Hey, this is just to get to know. I'm letting the fans get to know the the real yeah. Daniel Cadero. Yeah. You know, the English Daniel Cadero. Most people can't understand you when you speak Spanish. You yeah. know, we do have some Latino fans. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But most people speak English here. We don't speak French, so we can't do that. Yeah. Um. So, uh, eight and one, made the All Star team. Let's go through uh, your mind when Hal called you in the office to tell you. Oh yeah, they. They said, hey, Daniel, you have to come here to my office. And I said, all right. And he said, hey, I have to tell you something. I said, what? What do you have to say? And he said, hey, I'm really mad with you because you have to start to, to speak with the fans. And I was, oh, my God, I was, I, uh, I was thinking like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm on travel right now. But, yeah, after when, when he told me that, and no, i just kidding, you have to all the you have to go to the All-Star game. And I was like, oh my God, I was pretty happy, really happy. I just want to say thank you to the fans, to my family. Um, I'm here for that reason. I'm here for just try to get uh, get wins and try to get the uh, help to the team. Awesome. So 8-1 and one start, what has been your mentality every start to go out there to conquer that goal of having 8-1? and one? Try to get the first pitching strike and try to get those guys to hit the ball. Because I got my defense right there, they are to trying to help me every game. So that's all that I know. So how does Daniel Cadero deal with adversity? Do you know what adversity means? No, I don't know. What's how that? when something goes wrong on the mound, how do you handle yourself? What do you tell yourself like when something goes wrong, like an error, or you may, say you gave up a hit or a triple or double? Or, you know, right. what do you tell yourself? I I told myself, hey, I'm I'm more strong than all those people right here. So I always, I try to do my best. I, uh, for example, if they give me a double or a triple or my defense mega error, and I say, all right, that never happened, so I have to to throw the, the ball and strike, and nothing, just keep going, keep going, and keep going. Awesome. Well, I'm sure we just gave the fans a, a personal view of Daniel Cordero here. Uh, 
Like I said, I'm Tyler Wilson. I'm signing out for the Ottawa Champions, and thank you for your time for the Diamond Dante television show here. <laughs>
against their own will, uh, trying to play baseball for money when you're getting 50 bucks a week. So yeah, it was it was a it was a good group of guys down there, and I'm definitely thankful I had that experience. But I'm also ready for the next step and uh, keep climbing the ladder. Was uh, your your old manager in the Pecos League, Mickey Speaks? Did he have anything to play in, in getting the call here, and and did he help you become a better player? Yeah, he put a good word in for me, but. Uh, when you're undrafted and uh, trying to get in these higher level leagues like the Can-Am and Frontier, um, you got to have a lot of references and you got to have a lot of people on your side. And uh, there was quite a few people that helped me get to the place or helped me get to the champions today. And finally, um, I mean, what, what do you bring to the Ottawa Champions as far as uh, not only your personality and the clubhouse, but on the field as well? <sighs> um, I'm stable. I, I think that. Uh, once I get in the groove of things, that um, thing I have to bring at bat is I'm, I'm a pretty powerful hitter, and um, once I get to know the pitching staff, I usually develop really good relationships, so I think uh, me, uh, Danny and I will be a great combo behind the plate for the, our pitching staff. And, and now that you mentioned that, before we go, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, having to deal with some of the Latin players on this team. You know, their English is up and down. I mean, how have you been able to communicate with them? I know you haven't been here for so long, but or if you haven't communicated with them, how are you going to develop that relationship with some of the Latin guys on the champions? Um, I'm going to talk with some of the other, uh, other guys on the team about how they go about interacting with uh, the last players uh, just because they have more experience with that and I think they'll be able to help me on that front. TJ, thanks a lot and best of luck on the season. Yep, thank you.